Hello and welcome to the first episode of Time Out, the Basketball England podcast. We'll be giving you the chance to hear from the people behind the scenes at Basketball England, as well as features with stars and respected names in the English game. A great guest kicks off our first episode as Ian Cawthorn chats to Myosco coach Neil Hopkins, where they talk about life at the academy, his influences as a coach and his plans for the future. If we, uh, if we sort of start with uh, EABL, I mean, things at Myersco are going pretty great. You're unbeaten this year, uh, which is also pretty sweet. How's things up in Myersco? Yeah, they're good. Um, you know, we're, we're, we've taken maybe a, a slightly different um, <clears throat> slightly different route with the guys that we have this year. Um, we're, we're, and this is really kind of from my experience with, with Great Britain and our, you know, our exploits in Europe over the last 12 months. Is It's really had a... A big difference, or you know, made a big impact in the way in which we coach, and the way in which we, you know, we we deliver our, our you know, our sessions and what we want to do within the academy, and it's starting to pay, you know, dividends. We've taken away a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of the structure, and you know, we're we're trying to train our guys up to be really efficient one v one players, and you know, very good at reading react and bits and pieces like that. So, you know, in terms of a, from a coaching standpoint, it's you know, a lot of people harp on about the redundancy of coaching and stuff. Well. You know, that's not what we're trying to do exactly, but, you know, our um, influence, I guess, over the players, especially in games, we're trying to really step back and it's uh, it's paid, you know, great. You know, our progress has been fantastic this year. Ultimately, you're judged on, I guess, on, on winning and stuff like that. But the guys that we have this year, their potential moving forward in five, six, seven years' time, I think is the highest that we've ever had, uh, you know, out of any, any group that we've had. So, yeah, so far, so good, but, you know, a long way to go. You, um, you talk about sort of, taking a step back and changing your philosophy and how you uh, sort of teach these players to sort of read and react and think for themselves. Was there anything that sort of prompted that for you? Was it a conversation or an encounter or just something that you've been thinking along your coaching journey that was something you wanted to try and embrace? I think it's it's difficult to, to really quantify what the British style is until you get a lot of experience outside of the UK. Um, you know, obviously, we, we only see a certain style in the UK. You know, typically, and it's it's built around one v one play and uh, athleticism. And I think until you actually go out of your out, sorry, out of off the island or you know away from the UK, that's that's only the real time when you start to realise the efficiency and the effectiveness that the British style can have. And when you know, particularly when you see some of the most efficient teams in Europe, especially within that age group that we have. So, you know, you take Israel or. You know, even Spain. Now, Israel are a little bit different to Spain because the way in which they play basketball is, it's it's about you know how efficient the players are playing one v one. You know, in a breakdown situation, Spain's slightly different, but you know, Israel at the moment obviously set the gold standard with, with regards to the under twenties and you know in terms of the way in which they're developing their players. And I think it was something that you know I really looked at and obviously marvelled when I was out there in uh, you know in in Israel for the in the twenty championships, but also. Over the course of the last 12 months playing within the EYBL, um, you know, if you go over to Europe and you try and play what is an atypical style of European basketball, which is, you know, built around sets and built around kind of a, you know, a very intricate system, it doesn't really work with the British players. You know, one of the biggest reasons for that is because we don't start with that kind of stuff, you know, at an early age. Um, so we're already a little bit behind. So the thing for us is utilizing what individuals have in terms of their skill set, in terms of their, you know, their strengths and trying to maximise that within 
within a game and you know that's kind of our evolution I guess over the last 12 months and it's 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 really worked you know it's really worked for us it gives the players a little less to think about in terms of you know having to run a set bits and pieces like that and you know it really for us the, the biggest thing that I've seen is that you know the players are just a lot more natural and now it's not that we're not coaching the biggest thing for us is that we've been teaching and coaching you know principles and space and time and tempo you know these are the most important things now for us and you know that's something the guys have bought into very well and we've subliminally and you know utilized what they're very good naturally at and you know that's that for us has, has made a huge difference you had a lot of success um at the back end of last year in the eybl it- is that something that you can take forward as well and, and continue building your programme with uh, and something you hope to continue doing as a programme, you know, going out and taking part in that? Yeah, it definitely is. And, um, you know, I, I've oh, there's, there's little YouTube documentaries and bits and pieces like that and actually doing some bits and pieces um, on the stage that we've just played just before Christmas. And, um, you know, last year when we went in there, it was really, really wasn't unknown. And, uh, you know, now we're, we, we, I think we consider ourselves at least a seasoned veteran of, uh, of the European game. So, it's it's just for for us it's fantastic it's um you know it's a it's a it's a great breakaway um you know it's obviously an opportunity for our guys to play basketball at a, a different level and a, you know against different standard of players um you know a big thing for us and a lot of you know teams will know that we're we're a big team in the UK in terms of our height size physicality and stuff like that but actually in Europe I was very surprised at the last stage of the EYBL in in uh, December we were we were small um you know which which changes the complexity of everything um you know and teams are there's, there's teams that are associated or you know carry players that have played um you know whether it's the Champions League or um for instance last year the you know and I and I I carry on going uh, talking about the, the wins that we got against Algiers, but you know now some of their players have had the the fortune to play in the Euroleague team. Um, so you know we've seen guys that play at a very high level, and in the, it's uh, it's something that's really really opened our eyes. And what we've done is we've become. Um, I, I wouldn't say this year, for instance, we've, we we have a nine and one record in the league. It's not that the league is any worse than it was last year. We've just become better at winning out there and we've we've figured out what our style is and you know we've taken a british style into europe and we've you know been effective with it so you know it's been a really nice progression for us and you know from a coach's standpoint as well you know it's it's very refreshing sounds pretty exciting and that must be something that you um, you kind of embrace in your job uh, another yeah. side of it is um obviously the recruitment side and bringing these players in that you can find success with can you tell me yeah. a little bit about sort of recruitment and how you go about it? I mean, take somebody like uh, Franklin Agu, who's you know is ripping it up down in in London. He was ready for the next stage of yeah. what he was doing. How do you go about talking to those players and bringing those players in? I think a big thing for us is trying to you know have a have a presence in, in terms of you know our social media and our marketing and, and making sure that people are aware of what the brand is and you know what we deliver. And I think we do a great job of that. We have a, a guy who works directly with us called Alan Gunn, who does a lot of our our marketing and our social media and he does an absolutely unbelievable job in terms of promoting the players that we have and promoting the program and what we have to offer and I think that's kind of the first port of call for a lot of players is you know or potential players is you know our our presence online and you know our presence in terms of um, you know our our ability to market kind of what we do Um, we try and make it very evident as to what we do as well you know it's it's very easy to follow Franklin's story Um, and I think that's something that nowadays the the people that or the you know the, the young guys and girls that we look to bring in I think that's something that they very you know they value so typically that's the first port of of call for any player is you know they might contact us through social media or um, they might contact us through email 
and then you know we open up line of communication from there. I think the you know the recruitment thing is it's obviously a a, a very grey area and it's um, you know it's subject to a lot of um, scrutiny. Um, you know the biggest thing that we try and do is is make sure that people can see what we're doing. Um, we have an open door policy. We have you know an all access policy in terms of our media, in terms of access to the players and stuff. And I, I think that's very very important in terms of. Um, you know, parents, players, you know, even clubs understanding what the product here at MySco is. In terms of uh, MySco itself, you've been there for quite a while. What what sort of is it that draws you to that environment? What makes you want to stay in the academy environment for now? What works for you? Well, I, I, I set the, the basketball program up here. This is our seventh season. So, you know, we've gone from absolutely nothing, um, not even the, the college at one point hadn't even bounced the basketball to to obviously being, you know, one of the premier academies within the UK and having some presence within Europe. So our growth has been huge over the last seven years. Um, and I think really the, the, the thing about MySco that the attracted, the, the, the main thing that attracted me to it was the blueprint that was in place already, you know, in terms of the campus environment, in terms of the sports that have, um, you know, succeeded us, you know, rugby, football, and, you know, the other sports that are on offer here at MySco. And the blueprint was there. The the support the support structure was there, and it was very easy from there with foundation in place to start to implement you know actually the basketball program. So, and then you know the big thing for us is and you know those that follow us on social media will know that our principal is very active and you know is is uh, you know a huge advocate of what we do and you know that's very indicative of what happens here on the ground floor as well. You know we we have a lot of support from the college and I, I really truly think that. If you work within an academic situation and, the, and that situation wants to support you, you should utilise it as much as possible because ultimately it's helping grow, you know, the British game. So that's you know, always something that I've been, I've tried to find, and maybe we have a little bit of a utopia here. Um, you know, there's obviously other places within the UK that have that same support, and you know, usually those places grow and grow and grow, and you know, become a model of good practice. Um, funding and bits and pieces is always a, a difficult one um, but we've been very fortunate to have some sponsors that have come in and helped us along our way um, you know, a big one for us is the Simpson Group and another one is called Pure Leisure and they've they've really kind of given us the cherry on top and it hasn't been through, uh, through, through luck it's been through hard work and showing that we can produce a great product and you know ultimately you know the proof has been in the pudding for a lot of these people that have helped us and you know they've continued their support um, you know, based on our success. Continuing that thread, talking about players, and obviously you've been in, in post now for quite a long time. What differences have you seen in the players that come to you in terms of the traits they have or the things they already know or the things that you're teaching now that you maybe didn't teach before? How's that game changed from your perspective? I think the biggest thing for us is that, you know, we've um, basketball is played for different reasons and um, the academies are in place for different reasons um, you know that obviously within the FE sector that there's the need for enrichment and there's the, the need to, to use potentially sport as a, as a drive for, for academic you know the academic side I think now the the environment that the academies are able to create is one that you know anyone is potentially accessible to basketball at what would consider almost like a professional level um you know the balance of strength and conditioning against the coaching session in terms of the support um in terms of the structure you know whether it's through the edp program or you know whatever whatever it may be anyone from you know any any kind of background is is accessible to that now for us what we've been able to do over the last seven years is 
we've tried to push our first team up um, all the time. So, you know, we're, we're quite tiered in terms of our, in terms of the, you know, the structure of our program. Um, obviously, our first team, you know, our very, very best players, you know, the, the, the players that everyone, you know, believe should be aspiring to get to in terms of their performance. You know, we make sure that they sit on a, on a pedestal that, you know, is very evident. So, obviously, they play out in, in the European League and they play within Division 2, um, you know. And then beneath that, what we've been able to do over the last few years is that the, in, pre, in progressing that group up, We've been able to put the, the second tier or the third tier, or you know those that are playing basketball for different reasons. Um, we've been able to push them into a you know a higher level than potentially they're, than they're used to. So you know that 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 tiering is very very important. And there's a lot of other programs that do you know very similar things. You know in terms of where they place their their higher guys. And I think that's one of the big the biggest evolutions. You know I, I think there's always um there's always a a conundrum that we face every year, you know, and I know this will be for, for other programs as well in terms of the volume of students that come into these academies. But what the consideration has to be, you know, what these students need or what they need from the sport. Um, you know, we've we've had some some. I don't want to dive too hard into it, but over the over the years, people that the the use of basketball, the reason why young people would use sport. Um, you know, varies completely. You know, not everyone is going to progress to get a scholarship in America. Not everyone is going to progress to be a national team player. But actually, you know, within an academy structure now, um, you know, the the life skills that a lot of students are able to learn, um, you know, is is unbelievable. And you know, I think that, that again, the proof is is within the pudding. And actually, if you look at the the you know the the mapping of the students that have progressed from an academy to university or into work or into you know into something as a as a progression is is extremely high um so you know that that outcome whether it's playing in the states or whether it's playing for great britain or whether it's you know being a better human the outcome is is outstanding through the academy structure um you know i think that's something that should be really marveled yeah, it's an interesting point. Is there anything that you get most satisfaction from or aim to try and do the most with it? When you've got a kid that goes and plays D1 in the States, is that better or something you aspire to more than just some kid that comes in that you think, oh, I'm not quite sure this is right for him or her? But then ultimately, yeah, we, you know, they get enjoyment from it. Yeah, like it's, you know, we, uh, what, it's a great question because, you know, what, what do we do this for? You know, it's what, what do we do all these hours for? What do we pour this time into? And, you know, what do we put these structures together for? It's, you know, ultimately, I think we're we're it's a and I see it on social media and other places. You know, people questioning this generation of of, of people. You know, people saying, "Oh, you know, the, it's the it's the lost generation. It's the generation that's not in touch. It's the it's the entitled generation." Yada yada yada. But actually, you know, it's it's not easy to come to an academy and to to be a you know a young person. You know, in this society, and you know, to, I think our ultimate goal is to. To lead someone to the to the route, you know, to to something that they want to get to, in, you know, within life. And I think actually coaching someone or teaching someone, you know, about what's required in such a you know an environment that's so closed and you know that's it can be very intense. And you know, there's a, there's a lot of pressures that you feel within sport that you don't feel within anywhere anywhere else. I think actually the life lessons that we're that we're able to teach and the fact that you know a lot of our students walk away, you know, having you know, really gained a lot in terms of who they are. I think that's very, very important. You know, everyone's um, everyone's outcome and everyone's expectation is completely different. Managing that is is you know probably the biggest task as a as a as a coach or as a as a mentor. Managing their expectation versus ours is for sure is the biggest task. Um, you know, and but if we know that they're making progress and we know that they're becoming you know more employable or 
more playable or whatever it may be. I think that's like, you know that's hugely important, and that's the most that's the you know that is the the one thing that I take more satisfaction out of out of anything else. You know, they don't have to like me through that process. They might not have to like their their uh, their, their boss eventually, but what they need to do is learn how to to operate and function and be successful within society. And you know, I think that's something that we you know we work very very hard on. As a coach or a program lead, um, despite being relatively young in terms of sort of coaching terms, you've had a lot of experience. You've been around GB, you know, you've got EABL. Uh, you talked about, you know, going out to Europe. There's obviously the BBL element there with sort of Mersey, Manchester, your NBL as well. There's lots of different hats. What appeals most to you and what have you taken from those different things that now help you with the job that you're doing now? Um, I think it's the, the, vary, the, the variety of it all. You know, I, I started in the BBL when I was I know, 22, I think maybe I was 22, and my my first uh, you know outstanding experience from the BBL was driving the Mersey Tigers, the championship winning team, down to the, to, to Essex, and uh, you know I, I think the first time I was in the locker room with those players, Coach Garbaletto put some pressure on me and you know asked me for some feedback in front of the guys, and you know I, I think from that point in it was really. You know, I, I was just desperate to to learn, especially you know during my during my twenties and stuff. Just just desperate to learn and desperate to take on you know experiences and and you know make sure that I tried everything that I possibly could. You know, my life's changed a little bit now because you know, myself and my partner have a have a, have a little boy. So you know, I, you know my my uh, my needs have changed. You know, as they do, but you know I've always come back to the the junior stuff. I've always you know I've always found probably more more benefit you know in that and i felt that my my um expertise if you want to call it that or my knowledge i think has always been i've always really wanted to you know use that to better the the, the young guys and you know i think that's something that you know i, I can't get away from it <laughs> for some reason and uh you know that's but if that's if that's what it needs to be and you know that's that's where it is you know i've, I've had the taste of the bbl and you know if I've worked, you know, at other academies and I've, I've gone through this process before and have done the stuff within Division One and I've had success and I've had failure and, you know, I've had a, you know, I had even had some experiences abroad which, you know, I've, I've uh, you know, just tried as much as I possibly could and, um, you know, I think that's that's so important for, for you know, basing who I am and what I am but ultimately I, I come back to, you know this age group, and this is the age group that you know, and the the area that I feel that like I make the most impact on within the structure that we have within the UK. So, you know, that's this is ultimately where I land. If we're talking about other coaches, you've got a pretty star-studded lineup, or <laughs> certainly um, a set of staff that is quite interesting to talk about. If we, you know, pick Mike Bernard is obviously a very decorated player and came over to you. Yeah. What's it like to work with Mike? How did that happen? Um, well, I initially was working with Mike as, a, as an assistant coach when I was assistant coach at the Manchester Giants, and. Uh, Obviously, Mike was one of the players that we we signed in the you know what was the second coming of the of the Manchester Giants, and uh, Mike Mike joined us at the back end of his career, and from there, really you know got a, you know, made a really good bond with with Mike, and you know as with a lot of those guys, you know the the, the Joneses, Stefan Gill obviously is over here now working with us as our SNC coach, and you know a lot of those guys you know had, had a a really good relationship with you know through the Giants and. You know, Mike was someone actually. You now, the the funny story about this is when when we initially started the basketball program, the, the college wanted to um, wanted to reward someone for their contributions to basketball, and um, you know, and, and offer them a fellowship. And you know, certain people like David Moyes and Freddie Flintoff have been awarded fellowships through the college before. And 
I really thought that Mike was someone that, you know, not, you know, obviously his, uh, his career abroad has maybe uh, stopped him from doing what he wants to do within the UK in terms of giving back. But now he's, you know, actively giving back to so many people. And, you know, I really wanted to, you know, show him how much, you know, I appreciate everything that he's done. And, you know, his, even when I was, a, you know, a young coach, an assistant coach at the Giants, you know, his patience and his, you know, his mentality towards me is, you know, something that's really driven me forward. So, you know, Mike uh, was awarded that fellowship. So he's uh, now he's, he's he's kind of stuck with us forever, I think, you know, <laughs> whether he's here in person, or, but definitely he's stuck here, uh, you know, as a, as a honorary fellow of the college. So, you know, I've tied him in, uh, which is great. But yeah, Mike, Mike's... Um, you know, I, I can't speak highly enough of the guy in terms of his, you know, relationship with the players, in terms of what he's able to give back, and I think that's such an important thing. Um, you know, I haven't got the professional experience in terms of a player. I've done it as a coach, but as a player, um, you know, is that the perspective is completely different, and that's exactly why we have Stephen Gill here as well. And I think they're very relatable, very relatable guys, and you know, they know the process, know that know how it, how it all works, they know how to to like and dislike the coach in the right way and I think that's very very important you know and they teach our guys you know a hell of a lot of lessons Another one of your guys obviously uh, Troy Cully has just been appointed as the uh, under 16 yeah. boys coach for GB what does it feel like to have assistants go on and do those things obviously you've seen Troy put in the hard yards and now getting the rewards yeah. for it Yes yeah, you know it's great and you know we've I'm, I'm really grateful you know that that Troy you know is here with us and you know Troy is definitely the yin to Mike's yang and you know the balance between the pair of them is you know fantastic and you know Troy as everyone knows is meticulous he's a planner he's someone that you know really understands the game at a very very high level and you know I'm I'm uh I, I spent quite a lot of time just maybe subliminally or or making sure that you know Troy um was put at the right you know was 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 put out there in the right kind of way, you know, and I've, I've taken a, you know, a back seat in terms of, uh, you know, and I try and do this with, with, with obviously with the coaches and make sure that Troy's, I, I don't want this pro, this program isn't about Neil Hopkins, it's, you know, it's about everyone and I think Troy's really reaped the rewards of, you know, his hard work and effort and he's, he's had the right opportunities here at Maestro at the right time and, you know, I think that that's, been you know has helped him in a huge way in terms of balancing you know his his basketball understanding and his coaching and his, you know obviously his academic you know his, his academic progress that he's made over the years so his progress has been you know unbelievable um, you know and he's a, a hugely committed person and um, you know especially to his own development and I think now that he has you know all those feathers in his hat I think now it's it's time for him to roll his sleeves up and, you know, obviously with the Great Britain stuff, that's a, that's a great, you know, great bit of progress for him. It's time to roll his sleeves up and, and really go to work with it. Um, you know, he has all the knowledge, he has all the, uh, you know, the contextual stuff, you know, it's all, it's all there in the locker. So now it's, you know, it's time to, 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 to up his game as a, as a basketball coach. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how he does over the summer. You know, he's super excited about it. And, you know, it's uh, something that we're obviously very proud of as, as a program to see Troy's progress over the years. Uh, we discussed earlier on, you were talking about how you were trying to push that top tier of your program a little bit higher and make yeah. sure that you're always raising the standards. But that said, you've, you've still had some great players come through the doors in the previous years that you've been doing things. Mm -hmm. I had the joy of watching you guys, I think, win the National Shield down in Worcester yeah. a number of years ago. Um, are there any players that stick out in your mind in the time that you've been doing it that you enjoyed for one reason or another, talent-wise or personality-wise or both? Yeah, this, you know, I, can, I said this uh, recently. We had a, had a little uh, online 
thing for team of the decade, you know, a bit of fun. And, you know, I, I said it, every, every player that we've had, and this is not the diplomatic answer, but this is a, you know, it's something genuine. Every, everyone that we've had, you know, no matter what impact that they've had on the, you know, the, the, in terms of their playing performance, you know, has changed our program in a little way. You know, everyone has their own little quirk and their little challenge. And, you know, it's been, you know, for me, that's, that's such a, you know, an honor and a privilege to work with everyone that's come through in terms of, in terms of basketball, um, yeah, like there's uh, so many. <laughs> um, you know, obviously in recent years, Mate Okras was someone that's you know I really really enjoyed playing with. Uh, sorry, I think playing. <laughs> really enjoyed coaching. Um, his his professional nature and all the way in which he treats the game is is something that you you know is very rare and you don't tend to see that so much uh, these days. So you know, Mate is you know is one that's definitely stood out to me. The likes of Alex Roberts, who's now down at Loughborough. Um, you know his his competitive edge and the way in which he uh, you know he he really led the program. I think you know especially during the 2014-15 year and um, you know is, is another guy that's you know sticks in my mind and you know a lot of them I keep in touch with. Um, there's, there's certainly been a few international guys that have that have spiced things up. Um, Eduardo Delcadia um, was was one in particular who's now having um, you know a huge season uh, over in Florida at junior college and you know he's been heavily recruited in some Division One schools. Zion Tordoff, uh, one of uh, the Bradford guys, um, you know, he's, comes from you know an outstanding family. His parents are you know unbelievable, and you know his his uh, success has been through through so many trials and tribulations. But you know what he's doing now at Marist is you know is, is great. So it's it's you know it's it's fantastic to follow all of them, and you know I, I uh, have my own individual stories, and you know for for each and every one of them that have come through, but. You know, those are a few of the guys that do stand out. But like I said, you know, everyone here has, that's come through the program has has left a legacy, and there's not not one of them I don't I don't remember. So it's you know that's should tell you kind of you know our relationship like is like with the guys when they come in and girls. Uh, a quick word on uh, on Callum Lowe as well. It must have been pretty special to have a Commonwealth Games participant uh, on your books yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, Cal, the, the youngest ever. Um, you know, in terms of the, the, the Scottish team and. Cow is, you know, I always refer to him as the warrior. Um, he's at Newbury College now, and you know, he's he's having a, a great uh, freshman year. And uh, you know, again, there's a, there's a there's a backstory to Cal that you know not many people will, will understand. But you know, his resilience, hard work, and his attitude to sport has uh, has been, you know, he's a, he's someone to, to truly marvel. And I think you know, if um, junior players you know ever do listen to to this or read this, that you know, and they want to know about you know what it what it means to to, to make it to the next level and what you know what it takes I think Callan Lowe is someone that you know people should definitely contact and reach out to and, and ask because you know there's there's a lot about Callan that you know that, that should be shared and uh, you know I, I think that his progress within the sport and what he's done has been you know outstanding considering um, you know a lot, a lot of circumstances that Callum has to deal with so yeah it's uh, you know he's definitely one to, the one that we're immensely proud of. We've talked about where you started. We've talked about the things that you've done along the way. It seems uh, natural to sort of wrap up talking about where you're going to go from here. What does the future hold for Neil Hopkins? Do you think it's a it's a, a difficult question, and uh, you know right now we're we're focusing you know on this uh, on this season, and you know I've got a few things to to wrap up academically, um, just completing a, a dissertation, and you know a bit a few other bits and pieces. So. You know that's that's my priority right now. Um, you know, in, in terms of basketball, you know, my, obviously my commitment is 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 here with Myasco. Um, you know, and to British basketball. Um, obviously, I said before my my uh, my life has changed significantly over the last uh, 
two and a half years um you know and you know my, my my commitment to my family needs to be something that i really you know work on you know versus basketball um i think ultimately depends on what opportunities arise within the uk and potentially further afield and you know we'll kind of see from there but you know right now you know, i'm really really enjoying you know working with the staff and the, the players that we have here and you know i'm looking forward to the foreseeable future you know i'm looking forward to, to having some success here no problems. I really appreciate that, Neil. It's been a good chat. Half an hour's flown by, and I really appreciate your time. Yeah, no, no problem at all. So hopefully, is uh, of use. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks for listening to the Time Out podcast. Why not give us a like and a follow on our Basketball England SoundCloud channel, and let us know what you think or who you would like to hear from in a future episode. <laughs>